And we are back. This is the Husker Cuscast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. It's been three weeks, guys, since we've put on a show. Uh, got a lot to get into, so I hope you're excited. Uh, Tyler, I want to get in. Let's get right into it. Tyler, I want to ask you about the uh, roster updates lately. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, exciting things on the front uh, since our last show. Uh, you know, it, it started a couple days after our last episode when we got a defensive line transfer from Utah, Vaha Vianuku. Say that uh, again. Vaha, <laughs> Vaha Vianuku. Now it three times fast. Yeah. Uh, th- this guy could be a immediate impact on the defensive line. Um, he's got kind of an unusual story. Uh, he, you know, he went to Utah. He took a couple years out of high school to get ready to go to college, but um, to do the mission. He he's a, seems like a great athlete. Took some time off of football. Kind of retired, stepped away from the game, and has decided to come back by transferring to Nebraska. But when he left Utah, he was the strongest player on that team. Uh, he could be a big impact. Nice. Dirk. That, that pickup was strange to me. Like I, Defensive line was not a spot I really thought we were looking after, but maybe that's just me. I would have thought we would have went after more secondary or I don't know. Defensive yeah, line is not I, a spot I would have thought we would have been after for graduate transfer. I, I'm with you. I mean, it is unusual when you look at the depth. Of, the guy's got a couple of years of eligibility left. Um, he's big bodied. You know, you look at where we are from a defensive lineman standpoint. I mean, two of our projected starters at Mick Stolenberg and Freedom are, you know, they're not going to be around next year. I mean, we, we could use a couple more bodies going into, you know, maybe not this year, but look a couple years down the road, especially if a couple of these younger guys don't develop the way we think they're going to. Well, especially he kind of fits in that mold with uh, Frost and the staff has been talking about somebody that's big and physical. You know, if if he's that strong, you know that's that's pretty physical there in the in the trenches. So he might be a great fit. I, like I have it. a little maturity, a little maturity. He's a little bit older. He's yeah, been he's around 25. a while. I mean, twenty five years old. Yeah, take a couple years off before college, and then take a couple years off of football. You're you're going to be a little bit older. So yeah, it'll be intriguing. Who else do we have, Tyler? Well, shortly after we got Vaha, we got uh, the number one JUCO offensive guard in the country in Desmond Bland. Um, you know, he, he's the number 14th overall JUCO. We're sticking with the JUCO tree, and I think that's a good move with where our offensive lineman's at. Did you guys then, have to see his huddle video? Yes. Man, that guy was just knocking people over. I don't like to read too much into huddle videos because they're just highlights of – everybody's best plays and it's hard to tell how much they're how, how good they really are because you can come up with good plays for probably most players out there but man he was just knocking people over left and right no he he, he looks like something special um and then you know after we got him the guy that i i am just floored by is luke mccaffrey um, you know, we, we're, we're appearing to recruit him at quarterback. He's the number 18 athlete in the country. He's now our number one recruit. 
and he is about his field is about 20 minutes from my office so is it creepy if i show up to a bunch of his games this year wearing husker stuff i mean is that is that acceptable or is that just kind of a tool bag move is that red shirt a husker cuzcast t-shirt I, of course it will be, but, I mean, it doesn't make it any less douchey, does it? I mean. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, Derek, I want to ask you about this. Uh, should McCaffrey be the only quarterback we pick up this year? I don't think so. I'm not even sure. I mean – I'm not 100% sure this guy stays a quarterback when he gets here. The guy hasn't even started as a quarterback yet in high school. So it seems strange to me that this is the only quarterback you go after in this class. Now, our quarterback room is getting fairly full as well, and I understand that. But I guess to, to put all your eggs into a basket of a kid that's never started a game at quarterback seems strange to me. Tyler, what do you think? I, I think he's a great get. I mean, you, you look at what you made the point. We have a pretty full quarterback room. We're not looking for a guy that we must hit on. The way I look at him, he, he's kind of that stock that he's Bitcoin. Okay. Like he could boom up and make you a lot of money. This guy could be the starter. There may be no Adrian Martinez. Luke McCaffrey could be that guy and just take that spot from him. Or he may be here for two years and never see the field because he doesn't develop a new quarterback. He is a great athlete that fits the Scott Frost mold, what he wants out of a quarterback. I don't know if he can play quarterback, but I tell you what, if he's half the athlete of his family, we'll be in a pretty good spot with him. I don't disagree wow. with you on that at all. Like I, I think he's a very good athlete. I just don't know if quarterback's necessarily the biggest thing. Like, Of course he's a good athlete. He's a McCaffrey. Let's talk about grandiose statements made by Tyler Schaefer here. We've seen Adrian Martinez in one spring game. He didn't play in his senior year. And everybody is wanting everybody wants to anoint Adrian Martinez as the starter of the Nebraska football team. And then here we go, talking about McCaffrey with no quarterback experience. And you're already talking about unseating Adrian <laughs> Martinez, somebody that we've just appointed. Holy cow, the future must be great at Nebraska in your eyes, Tyler. I it, it really is. I, I'm I am excited for this kid, um, but and I mean it. Like I I get the hype with Adrian Martinez. I I think it's real. But I think what you, what you see from an athletic level from McCaffrey, he is as good of an athlete as Adrian Martinez is. And granted, he's younger. Granted, he needs to develop a little bit more physically. But there is no reason why I don't think that this kid can come in and from an athletic ability compete with martinez and then i get that's what we're basing the martinez hype train around is his athletic ability so True. that that's my whole point is that in two to three years if adrian martinez never touches the field because mccaffrey takes the spot i wouldn't be shocked at all i have a couple of thoughts on this uh the first one is i think this uh luke mccaffrey should be the only quarterback that we go for in this class being that tristan jebbia and Adrian Martinez, Noah Vedral, they're all very young quarterbacks, you know, sophomore and under, you know, bringing him in, that makes four scholarship quarterbacks uh, at that point. The other thing I want to talk about is Luke McCaffrey. You know, even if he doesn't pan out at quarterback, whatever, I mean, if he, you know, if Adrian Martinez is the guy for the next four years or, you know, three years after Tristan Jebbia, whatever, uh, 
Luke McCaffrey, he definitely has the pedigree to find a place on the field at any other position. He's played running back, wide receivers, and he's, he's, done, he's done everything just so great. And if he is that talented, my God, he could be just a huge weapon, even if he doesn't play quarterback. Derek? I, I think that's just it. I think you're right. I mean, I think he's a great athlete. And the guy's played cornerback. He's played wide receiver. He's played running back. And he's played a little bit of quarterback and, and backup spots. I mean, he did, he did throw the ball 71 times last year for 878 yards. Had six touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, so it's not like the guy hasn't played quarterback at all. And he, But he's versatile. I mean, he's an athletic kid. And I, I think he could be very tremendous help for the team in, in, in the long run. I'm just not convinced he's necessarily a quarterback. Well, Tyler, you're definitely going to have to give us a report this fall when you go and be the stalker creepy guy at all of the Littleton, Colorado games there, you know, so we fully expect a report back. So we, we have one more get, Justin, before go we ahead. move on. Jackson Hanna, uh, outside linebacker from Tennessee. Not only did we beat Tennessee out for him, we beat Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama out for this kid. Um you know he, he is the number twenty three linebacker outside linebacker in the country. I mean he is a a really good get uh, out of the South. I, I think you're forgetting the most important team that we beat out for him was Wisconsin. Yes, the school of linebackers. That is a team that we beat out, and I think that's a huge gift for Nebraska. Right now, I think to me, honestly, I think he's probably our our biggest get so far, just because we took him from Wisconsin and. I've watched his highlight reels too, and he he's a hard hitter. I mean, he is just he was hitting people good. It, it, I, I don't know. He he was all over the field. He's quick. He's played defensive end. He's played outside linebacker. They're moving him over to inside linebacker because that sounds like that's where Nebraska wants him. So he's versatile. He's that's that's what the staff wants. They want they want guys that can play all over the field. So he's Jacob like White Master esque. <laughs> I, I, I think you could say that. He, he will. You will be a guy to keep an eye on. A lot of hype with him. Um, you know, obviously he, he is a good prospect. You know, I like to see if the, the inside linebacker talk has been out there. I would like to see him develop a little bit more physically a senior year. Um, you know, he, he. I don't want to say he's slender, but he's definitely not stocky. I, I would like to see him develop a little bit more physically if inside linebacker is where he's going to end up playing. Um, but yeah, Derek. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's the fact that you take Wisconsin out of the picture, he's quick to the ball. I mean, he, he is he appears to be the real deal. So uh, awesome last few weeks for recruiting. Yeah. What Derek. one more get? I didn't know. I, maybe you mentioned it. And I just missed it. Did you did you mention Will Jackson, that cornerback JUCO, that's going to be here this season? I did not. We also is picked he him for, up. Is he for sure going to? Yes. Is he for sure going to be here this season or 2020? No, he's here this season. At least according to Husker hype, according to John Swedland. Don't let us down, John. Don't let us down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Tyler, was there somebody that left the team this uh, recent, recently? Well, I, unofficially, uh, David Engelhop has left the team as of today. Um, you know, Coach Secton talked about that in an interview. Unsure if he's going to come back or if it's just a sh- short leave of absence. Um, 
it will be very curious to see what ends up happening with him. You know, he's a guy I really liked. I don't, I wasn't really high on him this year, but I thought he had really good potential. Um, I, I would be sad to see this guy go at tight end. I think he he could be an asset for our team down the road. That tight end group is pretty darn deep, though. They are really deep. It, it is, and it's not the worst position group to lose a guy. I just, I, I thought he was a little bit more athletic than those big, tall guys. Um, you know, obviously we have a lot of youth there, but I, I, I was, I, I thought he had the potential to play a role in this offense in a couple of years. Well, well, we'll get into this a little bit later when we're talking about the depth chart, but when we did our depth chart back in April, uh, following the spring game, Engelhop wasn't even in our top three. I mean, he was he was kind of buried there at the tight end position, according to us. But what do we know? Uh, but uh, moving on, uh, I want to talk about uh, another news story that came out this week. Westgate Sportsbook out of Las Vegas, they released all their Heisman odds. And uh, a Cornhusker actually made the list. Tell us about that, Derek. J.D. Spielman, of all people, had 80 to 1 odds. And Stanley Morgan, probably the guy that most people would maybe expect to be on that list, was left off. That shocked me. I could not believe it when I seen that. That is crazy to me. I'm not. I'm not shocked. I, I think as far as a pure athlete and pure, just you know, a, a special football player. I think J.D. Spielman. I've said before, I've even said on this podcast before, I don't even think that Stanley Morgan's our best receiver that we have on our roster. It's J.D. Spielman. He is he, he can do everything. You know, catch from the special teams, receiver, the, the, the guy is the real deal. At 80 to 1 odds, you know, you're saying there's a chance. But effectively, that's a 1.23% chance of winning. So it, it's not great odds by no means. But, you know, it, it's pretty cool that he got some recognition. Tyler, Justin, I don't understand your hate with Stanley Morgan. I don't have any I, hate I, for Stanley. You, Morgan. you do. You have hate for this guy. I, JD Spielman's a stud. There's no doubt about this guy is a pure athlete, great asset. He is going to be a great wide receiver. There is no way that you can say JD Spielman is a better wide receiver than Stanley Morgan. There is no evidence on the field to support that argument. JD Spielman can go up for the ball. He's produced more yards, more catches. He is a better wide receiver today and going into next year than JD Spielman. Um, yes, maybe JD Spielman gets some Heisman hope because of special teams. Maybe that's what they're thinking about because he was a good returner last year. But you are out of your damn mind, and you are a pure hater if you think J.D. Spielman's a better wide receiver than Stanley Morgan. Let, let, let me ask you a question, Tyler. If the game is on the line and whoever quarterback that we have uh, in 2018 is dropping back to throw, who do you want to see that target to be? Do you want that target to be Stanley Morgan or do you want to see it be J.D. Spielman? Stanley Morgan. Really? No, no, no doubt in my mind. Derek, I'm okay with either one. I think they're both great, honestly. Oh, oh, good answer. Good answer, Derek. We're not to take a side. Ride that fence. I mean, just ride that fence a little bit more. No, I think think they're both great. I I would have no problem throwing the ball to either one of them. Okay, Derek, you're the quarterback. We're putting you in the quarterback shoes. You're dropping back passing. Both players have a break on the play. You can lob it up to one person. Who are you throwing to? 
Probably Morgan. Thank you. Okay, you know what? Thank you. Guys, did you forget our podcast last season? What was our biggest complaint about Stanley Morgan? His drops, his drops, his drops. He had the drops at the worst possible times. He killed so many drives for this 4-8 team that we had last year. Yeah, yeah but he had, but, he I had mean, Tanner Lee throw into him. And, and J.D. Spielman was like two big games is like how he all of his receiving yards came in two games. I think Good player. Great player. I'm excited for him. I, 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 you're making me talk bad about my well, boy J.D. here. I, and, I, I will, I will and I don't say, appreciate it. I will say this about J.D. Spielman. I think he's a little overhyped as a kick returner. He had one really awesome kick return to start the year. And then I don't think he was that impressive after that one. He had a I lot would of say he was terrible, but he, wasn't, he, had, he, had, he, he he's a little overhyped, I think. He, he had a lot of opportunities after that, too. That That is a really good point, Derek. We just gave up a lot of touchdowns. He had a lot of chances to do something. <laughs> That's very true. That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> he um, million dollar Bob. He didn't really stop too many offenses. <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started on that. But let's move hey, on. Hey, if hey, he just yeah, came down to the sideline. Yeah, our new defensive coordinator is going to be on the sideline. Our defense is fixed, according to Justin, so we're good. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Let's not get into this. Right now. Let's, <laughs> we'll be here all night. we got, we got to move on. Hey, uh, this week, uh, Bill Moose is making the rounds in Nebraska, and uh, he stated in uh, in whatever small town, Nebraska, that he was looking forward to getting like Kansas State and Kansas on the schedule. Uh you know, he wants to focus on some big eight teams. You know, we have Colorado on there right now. We have Oklahoma and putting in some works. Uh, what do you guys think about scheduling our old big eight foes, Tyler? I love it. I mean, I, I think that it's fun. I mean, if you're going to look at non-conference opponents, I mean, unless you're going to schedule an Alabama, a Florida State, a USC, these top-tier programs – if we're going to go to the B-level, I would much rather go B-level Big 8. I think it's fun, but if I'm Bill Moose, I, I'm going wider than this. I'm looking at Big 12. I, I think Texas would be a huge game. Uh, A&M would be a lot of fun. I think the Big 12, Big 8 rivalries make a lot of sense. And I, if I'm Bill Moose, I am looking almost exclusively at these teams down the road. And more Oklahoma series. Much more Oklahoma series. Well, we, we, we already played them four times over the next 12 years or whatever it is. We, we, so should, we should play them. We should get on a schedule. My, I've had this opinion. Nebraska should get on it every year. One non-conference game is Oklahoma. Say that again? Every year, oh, one non-conference game is Oklahoma. No, because then your power five—that's going to be your only power five team. That you're going to—you're going to nope. essentially turn into Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah, except it's Oklahoma, and it's a much well, better. I understand it's path. Oklahoma and Nebraska. And I get that, but you're never going to see the Miami, Nebraska games or the Oregon, Nebraska games. You're not going to see those because they're not going to schedule two out of three top twenty-five teams for non-conference. Well. But that that's a debatable point, which we could go either way on. But let, let's just pick, let me pick pitch a scenario to you guys. Every year, our opening game, we start a new tradition, is Oklahoma. We revive it at the beginning of every season. We are waiting all offseason for Oklahoma Nebraska, the first game of the year, every year. So what, we that can start 0-1? Special. 
<laughs> so we'd start 0-1. Oh, oh well, my God. If Mike Riley comes back as head coach, then that'd probably be true. But, well, they, but they or both start 0-4 no matter who we started with. So Put down the bourbon, I, I just, Tyler. I just think it would be fun. I think Oklahoma would be fun to do. But if I can't have that, I will settle for teams like Missouri, Kansas State, uh, Oklahoma State. I think those are fun rivalry games. I would like to see more of those hit our schedule. So I I want to throw this up. Oh, go ahead, Derek. I'd rather not see Kansas. Maybe Kansas State I'm okay with. Missouri would be fun. Uh, Oklahoma State I think would be better than Kansas. I I don't know. Kansas is kind of like playing – Buffalo. <laughs> hey, Derek, I completely agree with you about the Kansas, right? Until I started looking at the schedule, the future schedule for Nebraska, all the way through the 2020s, right? In 2020, we play South Dakota State. In 2022, we play well, North Dakota. Be- Before you go off on that, I was looking at that 2020 schedule as well. What happened that year? We don't play a Power 5 team. Our three non-conference no. guys are... South Dakota South State, D- Central Michigan, and Cincinnati. Yeah. I, of course. Uh, Actually, I, to, be, to be fair, I think that was Osborne. But uh, let's just play my course. In, in 2024, we have South Dakota State. In 2026, we have North Dakota. We don't even get the good North Dakota team, you know? Because <laughs> we don't want to lose to an FCS team. 2028, we got South Dakota State. I mean, this this is ridiculous. I kind of, for some reason, I had it in my mind that the Big Ten uh, said no more scheduling FCS teams. They did, and but maybe, they also reneged on that, and now it's not a deal anymore. Oh, my God. This These are aggravating schedules that I'm looking through here. So if you throw Kansas in there, I mean, how great of a non-conference schedule is it if you have to face – South Dakota State or North Dakota and Kansas. Probably not I much mean, different than playing South Dakota State, Central Michigan, and Cincinnati. You're right. You're exactly right. I mean, it's this I is ridiculous. This schedule, schedule. I, I think I think that's a terrible non-conference schedule. Like, there's not one game there that I am excited about. I mean, granted, it's what two years away, but still, I'm not excited to play Cincinnati, and that's our big game for the non-conference. Oh, well, maybe Cincinnati will turn it around. Maybe they'll turn it around by then. Maybe they won't. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure Cincinnati was in the Big East when they were a Power Five conference when they, we added them to this schedule. Like, I, I don't been think like twenty years ago. Uh, these schedules get made bit early in advance, unless you're Alabama. Like, Alabama's, like, the only team that gets a schedule like a Power 5 team. Yeah, but that's because they get to play Mercer State every year. And because the Alabama always plays a neutral field, they don't do as – they do these neutral field games, so they don't ever have to go on the road and lose. It, it's bullshit, I, but I wish uh, so Lewis would pay is, attention. Is there any team that you would be most excited to see, somebody that Nebraska hasn't faced in a long time? Texas. I don't know if I want any of that Texas flavor. I mean, it, every year we used to get up for Texas, and it would, it would never end well. <laughs> that was under Polini. We, we, we got a new regime That was under here. Solich. It was under Callahan. It was under Polini. It was under all of them. 
He was basically under know, even Osborne lost to Texas in his first in the '96 uh, yeah, Big Ten cha- or Big Twelve Championship. No, but what about you, Justin? I, I think Texas would be fun to do a home and away with. Hey, I live here in Texas. I would love it. I have so many Longhorn friends. I would just love to build up for that game. I would just have to avoid them for the next month. <laughs> Not with Frost. <laughs> Not with Frost. Not with Frost. Uh, hey, we got to move on, guys. Uh, if you're like some people and you pre-order Phil Steele's magazine, uh, you got it. You know, the other day, uh, we're not going to get into the specifics of the magazine, but we did. I do want to talk about the depth chart. Uh, we kind of brought this up a little bit earlier on in the episode when we put out our uh, our depth chart on. I think it was April 27th. It's on HuskerHype.com. Go ahead, go check it out. But I was kind of shocked about how many similarities that we had between our depth chart and his. The uh, one thing that really stood out, and this is really making waves out there in the news, is that uh, uh, Phil Steele, he penciled in Adrian Martinez as the starting quarterback for 2018. Thoughts, Tyler? I don't know. I mean... I, I will tell you, you know, I, I if I had to flip a coin right now, that that would be better than my guess. I, I have no idea which one of those two quarterbacks are going to end up the starting quarterback next year. Um, I think Adrian Martinez. It's very easy to get behind him because he is a frost guy. He did have an amazing spring game, but I, I just I don't know. I, I think Jebia got that first snap for a reason. Um, I think that there is something to be said about his ability to throw the ball deep, even though that's not Frost's forte. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit better of a passer. I, I, but Martinez is special. He's a special kid. Um, I, I could flip a coin. Yeah, and he's going to be upseated by uh, Luke McCaffrey. Uh, Derek, what's, <laughs> Derek, what stood out to you in this uh, Phil Steele depth chart? Really, honestly... The, the, the quarterback obviously was a big deal. And I, I kind of agreed with him from the get-go. I've kind of been on Adrian Martinez a little bit myself. And the reason we put kind of either or on there was just because none of us could agree. But uh, I think the thing that stuck out the most to me was the wide receivers. And not so much the starting wide receivers, it was the backups. And the fact that he has Brian Reimers, Connor Young in there as backups where we had the – juco guys and he never has any mention of the juco guys and outside of that i i thought our depth chart was really close to his which i don't know if that means he's dumber than we think he is or if we're smarter than we think we are wow nobody will agree with you (laughs) we're smart (laughs) (laughs) well if you look at the first string offense we had essentially outside the quarterback in the center we had everything the same as him and the only reason he probably had a different center was because michael decker left the team and when we did ours he was still on the team yeah tyler you were saying well i I will say this is that i i think that to to the credit of us i think that there there aren't many positions at least for starters that i think there's a lot of controversy at this point I, I think the the starters are pretty set, and Frost is going to play this offseason pretty coy. Like anyone could win it, 
But I think the similarities between us and Phil Steele kind of prove that it's pretty predictable with maybe the exception of a couple spots and obviously quarterback being one of them that I think this year we're going to, our starters aren't as controversial as a lot of people think they're going to be. True. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll get into this discussion a little bit more as it goes on. Uh, God, you know, last year when we talked about the uh, Phil Steele uh, segment, Patrick, cousin Patrick, he talked about the Phil Steele magazine as being, it's thick and it's huge. And we got the giggles last year. That was that was so funny. Yeah, let's, Derek, not, let's you... not do that again. That was made, that made for bad radio, having us laugh for five minutes. Oh, my God. I tell you, I, w- I wish you could play that uh, – that little segment in maybe next week anyway uh you know we've been we've had a three-week layoff we missed the conference finals in the nba we definitely missed the finals so i just want to wrap it up with the nba uh conversation uh we all know what happened my calves got swept uh mvp finals talk uh derek what do you think Durant deserves it. I mean, I, I think Curry probably could have deserved it too. I, I think they could have went either way, and it probably didn't matter. But I'll, I'll accept that Durant probably deserved it too. I mean, Tyler, I you know Derek, there's a lot of statistical evidence to support that Durant deserved it. Um, Curry averaged 27.5 points per game. Durant was 28.75, so Durant scored a little bit more. Um, you know, Curry was shooting 40% from the field. Durant was 55%. Durant obviously had more rebounds, um, probably had a tougher defensive assignment having to guard LeBron a lot of the series. Um, but I think they got it wrong. And Derek, you're right. It, it really doesn't matter because it's probably, you know, half dozen one, uh, six the other way. But, you know, I think Curry should have got it. Curry led the Warriors in three of the games in the NBA Finals in scoring. Um, including the closeout game. And whenever it's really close, I would prefer them give it to the guy who hasn't won one before just because to even it out, um, I think it could have gone either way, but I would have given it to Curry since he led the team to scoring three of the four games. Well, I I will add that him breaking the finals record with nine threes was pretty impressive as well. I think what killed Curry is that 10-point game that he had. He had that 10-point game where that was the game that Durant had 43 in. He completely shined in. I, I think that was the separation there. I, I'll probably – I'm not a Curry fan. I don't know if you guys knew this or not about me, but I'm, I'm not a fan of Steph Curry. But I can see an argument why he should have made it. I mean, God, Derek, you know, to your point, that game that he had, the nine three-pointers, I mean, he could not miss. And then he goes to the next game when I have him in my fantasy NBA lineup, and he can't hit. <laughs> so, well, it's because you Justin, don't like him. <laughs> and, and Justin, to your point, I mean, so Curry's points per game, he had 29, 33, 11, 37. Oh, is he 11? Durant, okay. okay, Durant was 26, 26, 43, 20. I mean, he, Curry essentially had three 30-point games. It just, it just, he had a really, really, really bad game in there. And really, really, it's all semantics at the end of it. My Warriors won. I'm happy. So, 
your Warriors that you had admitted weeks before that you didn't want to see them in the finals. <laughs> I didn't want to see and, and I, I'll admit, I didn't want to see either one of these teams in the finals. I'd have been just as happy seeing the Celtics and Houston in these finals. How crazy is it that, uh, you know, we, we were talking and it, w- it was like we were talking as if, you know, neither one of these teams would make it to the finals. It, it looked that bad for these teams where neither one of them and geez, they, they have these game seven wins in the conference finals to get there. And it's like, Holy crap. It's deja vu for the fourth time in a row. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, that's remarkable. I mean, we, I mean, we've all been sports fans for a while, but we, I, I don't know if NBA history as this has ever happened, but in our lifetimes, there has never been an instance of the same team playing in four no, straight they, years in the finals. I believe, if you recall, last year they had never had three teams play three or two teams play three years in a row. So for four for four years in a row, this is obviously a new as well. I don't, it, I don't it, think they'd it, ever had three years in a row with two the two of the same teams. It was a, well, but it was it was a fu- it was a fun NBA run. So next year, we're not going to have this problem because LeBron's probably going to leave. But before we get into that, I want to talk about LeBron's legacy. Everybody's about LeBron's legacy uh, following this sweep. Uh, Derek, what does this what does this series loss due to LeBron's legacy? I don't think it changes anything. But when I say that, I also you have to also remember, I never had his legacy that high to begin with. Like, they all want to compare him to Jordan, and I don't think he's ever going to be on that level. So So you're talking about his legacy being against one guy and not just an all-time great? You're talking about He's definitely an all-time great. But, I mean, if you were to talk about the greatest of all time, he's not the greatest of all time. I don't even know if I would say Jordan is the greatest of all time. I would put Bill Russell up there as greatest of all time with 11 championships, probably before I'd put Jordan in there. Or maybe even Wilt Chamberlain or... Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's who's the all-time points leader. Uh, I, I think there are pl- players that have made cases to say they're better than Jordan, too. Tyler. Well, okay, so 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 a we definitely can have a topic on this some other night. But who's the greatest of all time is, but because uh, it's definitely Michael Jordan. But so Derek, Derek, when you talk about LeBron, when you say he's an all-time great, obviously we all acknowledge it. But, but do you think he's a top ten player all time? He may come in at number ten. Okay, so I, I I think I think LeBron in at this point in his career has proven he is a top 10 player without a doubt. In my opinion, he is a top five player, but where, where this series I think affects his legacy. And, you know, there's people that are on both sides of this coin, but I think it does hurt his legacy. And it's not that he lost. It's not that he swept. It's that he is chasing that goat status. He is chasing the all time greatest. And every time he doesn't win a championship, it doesn't matter if it goes six games or gets swept he loses an opportunity to add a point that he needs. Cause that is the only thing LeBron's missing for really having a contention is that he has never really been on a great team. His best teams were the, were the heat and one championship they won. They beat a really, really young thunder. I mean, I, you just, you never look at LeBron as a great team and, and all these other greats you've talked about, 
Kareem had it. Jordan had it. Uh, Russell definitely had it. Are you kidding um, me? The Heat was like the uh, the original super team. Would you think? Do you consider that Miami Heat team one of the five best teams this century? Yeah. You you put them? Would you put them over the Kobe Shaq Lakers? Probably not, because they would probably would, be my number one or two, and then the Golden the Golden State would probably be one or two in there. This, I, I would. I and would then, put then this, the Miami Heat would probably be number three in there. Well, over the Spurs. Yeah. Over the Duncan oh, yeah. Spurs. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I I think I'd put the Duncan Spurs over there and I think I'd put the Boston Big Three over there over them too. But I mean again, different argument for it. I just don't think LeBron has ever been on that that great team. He has never led this dynasty that all the other greats seem to have. And that's what hurts his legacy. I'm actually more impressed with LeBron James this year than I have been. Uh Due to the fact that, you know, as alluding to it earlier, we didn't think, you know, when, when we were talking about these two teams making to the finals, we were really talking about the Cavs. The Cavs didn't have what it takes to make it to the finals. You know, they were a third-seeded team out of the East. But what he did to overcome and take this team of nobodies uh, after revamping the entire team midseason for whatever reason that they had, LeBron, whatever, but for them to make it to the finals, that was that was amazing. That was just awesome, Tyler. Shoot That's it so overstated that he beat all these teams to get to the finals. It's so impressive. He beat the Celtics without their two best players. He beat the Indiana Pacers. Name three Indiana Pacers, please. The, the, please do it. Like the, the, he beat. I mean, Lance Stevenson, uh, Oladipo, and who? And, Ex- and exactly, and like look, look, it was. I the East that. was an all-time low. The East was the worst it has ever been. If he was in the West, he would not have got out of the first round. But do you remember? It was that first series where we didn't think that they were even going to make it. They, they, they were like, yeah, they're not going to make it to the finals, and then they go out and they sweep Toronto. Who's and terrible in the again, playoffs every year? They're the number one. They're the number one team. I don't. I don't care what seed they are. They're terrible in the playoffs every year. You say Boston, but the Cavs—they had their backs to the wall in that game. They were they getting thumped. They were getting thumped by the Celtics uh, against essentially a college team. I, I'm pretty sure if you take out Horford out of that lineup, the oldest player was 21. I mean, it was essentially a college all-star team, and Al Horford. Because they were without their two best players that took LeBron James, this great player who he is, to the limit. I, I just I think that the this him making the finals is kind of like, yeah, he should have. Jordan would have, Russell would have, Kobe I, would have, I, and all the players would have won the East. I, I will say this, I do disagree with you wholeheartedly on the sweep doesn't matter comment. I think the sweep does matter very much. I think Are you gonna talk about that ten years sweep, from now? I think getting swept by – and that's the second time that LeBron's been swept in the finals, and I do think that makes a difference, yes. You might be right. Well, we'll see. I mean we'll, – We'll see in 10 years when we're arguing at a bar who the greatest of all time is if that comes up in the conversation. Yeah, and, you know, you know and you know what's funny? Maybe in 10 years – well, 
LeBron will probably be playing in 10 years still. I don't care how long. He'll be 44 years old. He'll be 45. He'll be 45. He can do it. He's out in the NBA. I will say this. He's Superman. I will say this. In 10 years, it's possible that I am arguing for LeBron as one of the greatest of all time. When they're talking about some young kid that they're comparing to Jordan and LeBron, how great this new kid is. And I'll get pissed off about that, and I'll hate that new kid, just like I did Kobe, just like I did LeBron. And as time turns, I eventually stop hating them and, and agree that they are the great. That, that they are great. I, that well, you would have never Lonzo ten years Ball. ago. You would have never got to admit that Kobe was great, but Kobe was great. You know, there there is a part of me where you know I kind of gravitate to the older players. You know, the the old guys in the league. You know, uh, Tom Brady is one. You know, uh, in the NFL, I started liking Tom Brady the more the older and older he got. Uh, LeBron James, if he plays three or four more years, Derek, I think you're the same way. Kind of root for the old guy. Uh, Cologne, the pitcher for the Rangers, you know, 45 years old. He's pitching, damn near pitching no hitters and stuff out there. Everybody wants big, sexy, you know, out there throwing <laughs> because he's, he's old. He's an old dude. If LeBron plays long enough, Derek, I think you will say, yeah, I'm going to root for LeBron because no. he's 44 years old. I don't think I could ever root for LeBron. I, Probably not. I, but you have to remember, there was a, like the first three championships of Jordan, I, I rooted hard for Jordan. And the second three, I, after he retired to go play baseball and then came back to basketball, I hated Jordan. I despise Jordan as much as I hate LeBron right now. Yeah. Well, uh, that segment went way too long. It was a fun segment. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of it down the road with the off-season topics. Or do we, want, do we want to have any quick discussion on where his destination is going to be? Then. Oh, all right, okay. Destination. I, I think we have to. You already talked about it once. All right, go go for it. Derek, all you. Where do you think? All where me? is he going to go? Uh, he stays in the East. I will say that for sure. Uh, I could see Philadelphia. I see that Boston. Uh, Kyrie Irving is saying he's pushing for him to come to Boston pretty hard. I find that pretty hard to believe considering Kyrie Irving wanted to leave Cleveland just because of LeBron. But I, I guess I, if I had to take a stab at it, I'd probably go with Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I think that's a good guess. There, I mean, Philadelphia is near the top of my list. You know, I... I, I'm not ruling out a stay in Cleveland, but it, it doesn't seem likely. LA's, I think, in the picture big time. But the team I'm going to say, if I had to put $5 on it, it's San Antonio. I, I think that him playing with Popovich, you look at all the all time greats Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, uh, Magic Johnson, whoever you want to name, Cream, they've always had a really great coach. Popovich is the greatest coach of the last 10 years in the NBA, um, if not further. He, he, and I think that the fact that LeBron has never played for a really, really good coach does mean something. And I think the thought of him and Kawhi Leonard on the same team could be like a legendary faction. I thought Kawhi quit basketball. <laughs> he, he didn't quit, but he ain't playing for San Antonio most likely next year. First off. Second off. Don't hex my San Antonio Spurs like that. I do like the San Antonio Spurs. I wouldn't call it my favorite team, but I do usually root for them a little bit. So don't make me hate them by putting LeBron on that team, please. 
Hey, I saw where Chris Bosh, you know, who has history with LeBron James, he speculated that Chris that uh, that LeBron would go to the Houston Rockets. Uh, is this something that you want to see? Just no. another All Star cast, right? I mean, yeah, essentially, I isn't he doing the same thing that Durant did? Yeah. Well, my my problem with that is is so like I've looked at the numbers. If they do that, if the Rockets get LeBron, they would either have to get rid of Capella or Chris Paul to make it work. So I I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously LeBron's an upgrade over both of those guys, but like you're saying, like okay, it's not like Durant going the Warriors where you're going to keep the three best players and then just add Le- Durant. You're gonna have to lose one of your three best players to get LeBron. It, it, you, it's not the same. You know, you could get rid of most of your bench in Houston because LeBron James plays, you know, 45, 46 minutes a game. You, 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 you could, up. but you can't because of the contracts. <laughs> they have a I'm, lot of players locked under time. Um, it, it is one of those things. And then just I gotta throw this up. Did you guys know? That Chris Bosch is still getting paid twenty five million dollars a year for the Miami Heat. Really? Wow. No, I didn't. Yeah, got, he has an awesome agent. My, I mean, he signed a contract and he hasn't officially retired yet, so they have to pay him in case he comes back. So it, it, it blew because I thought Miami. So I spent a little bit of time prepping for the segment, looking at teams to see what teams could actually afford LeBron, and I looked at Miami and. No, they can't afford LeBron because they're still paying Chris Bosh $25 million a year. It blows my mind. It's amazing, and it, it's good for him. Make the money. Golly, yeah. And LeBron still continues to screw Miami because he's the one that talked Chris Bosh into going down there in the first place. <laughs> I know. Uh, but no, it, it will be interesting. And the thing about LeBron, my last note I want to throw out this – Wherever LeBron goes, next year you have Houston, you have Golden State, you have Boston are the three best teams. Wherever LeBron goes, if it's the Lakers, if it's the Knicks, if it's the stays at Cleveland, wherever, that's going to be the fourth best team. Like Those are going to be the four top teams. That's why I hope he avoids those three teams. I want to see more parity. Let LeBron go to Chicago. Let him go to Minnesota. I don't care where he goes, Philly. Uh, just don't don't I, let him go to. Would you st- would you stop? Do not send him to Chicago. <laughs> God, I mean, I'm they, starting they, to really they, hate you, Tyler. I'm just telling you right now. I, First you know, of all, Derek, I, I, you have too many teams. If you're like putting, you're telling him not to okay. send. So so I guess what it would it eventually boils down to is I just want LeBron to retire. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> he or might go to a team that I already say, hate. I don't have he, he, I don't really have a favorite NBA team. I have teams that I hate. And Cleveland's like on the top of that list right now. Oh well, yeah. yeah. And the Wherever Lakers were always on top goes, of that list hit. for a long time. Anyway, let's get out of here, guys. Right. Let's do some let's last call and get we out got, of here. Let's do last call. All right, this is the segment that everybody loves. No li- no topics are off limits. Tyler, last call to you. My last call is to the Washington Capitals. Congratulations. Winning the Stanley Cup, but more importantly, congratulations to Alex Ovech, uh, Ovechkin, who has had the greatest 
Stanley Cup celebration or any championship celebration in the history of sports. This guy is throwing out first pitches. He's taking keg stands out of the Stanley Cup. He's going shirtless in the the random fountains out there. This guy is partying like this is his last day on earth. It, it is amazing. And it, it is the greatest thing in sports if you're not following it. Alex Ovechkin's uh, celebration through the Stanley Cup. Derek. Congratulations, Capitals. I was really rooting for Vegas, but eh, whatever. I don't know who Alex Ovechkin was until you said that. <laughs> I guess we know who the pansy of the family is. Hockey, <laughs> yeah. How much, how, how much hockey have you watched this year, Tyler? More than you. <laughs> oh, so you watched <laughs> you watched a commercial? All right. <laughs> Derek, last call to you. Oh, so here our staff is taking another stab at the previous staff, and I find it I just find it more funny every time it happens. Uh, Eric Schnander has come out, and uh, they're touring the state of Nebraska, if everybody didn't know. Eric Shenander came out and says that uh, the black shirts would not be handed out like M&M's like the previous staff did. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But they're actually putting some meaning back into the black shirts, which I think is awesome. Uh, Shenander talked to uh, Charlie McBride to find out who he what, what his thoughts were because he doesn't feel that he has 11 black shirts on this team right now. And he thinks that they need to be black shirts on the field and off the field, which I kind of disagree with because black shirts on the field are supposed to be mean and kind of dicks. And maybe that's not what you want off the field. <laughs> but, hey, it's just me. Uh, but, yes, I think they're trying to at least go back to the original way of what the black shirts were, and I think that's awesome. Hey, I love it. You know what? We kind of talked about that, about the digs to the previous staff. I think it's funny. It's <laughs> Is it necessary? Probably not, but, you know, none of them are false. <laughs> so, so two things. One, I don't know when the black shirt tradition changed. I don't know if that was a Mike Riley thing or Bo Pelini thing. I, I don't know when that changed, but that it, it seemed like a change. But the, the I think people get a little too like, oh, you have to earn a black shirt. Let, let's remember where this tradition is based out of. This tradition is based out of a coach going to a store to buy black shirts to give to people on defense. So there was a difference. I don't think this, there's this big entitlement thing. I think this is always one of the things that Nebraska fans and diehards are saying like, well, my black shirts have to earn it. That's not how it started. It was everyone got a black shirt if you were on defense. So you knew what team you're on. It's just, it's been overblown. Yeah, you're right. Jason Peter, Christian Peter, and all those guys in the 90s, they're just blowing that shit out of proportion. What do they know? And I, and I believe they, when it started, they actually just gave it to the starters to begin with then, too. They gave it to every They gave it to anyone who was playing defense against the office so they could be difference in colors in their jerseys. That's how it, it evolved. Started. Why is that bad that it evolved into well, it evolved, a Nebraska it tradition? Again, we're hating it. We're hating that it evolved to where it is today. We hated well, it under Pelini. People bitched about the black shirts under Pelini. But it evolved to a point where it actually meant something to have a black shirt. I mean, it actually truly it, meant something. It, even and under, then, even it, under Pelini, I think it still meant something. 
You don't where, think it meant something now under Riley? Not, not under Riley. I don't think it meant near as much, especially when you're handing out 16 of them in one year. 18, whatever, you know. I, 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 again, I, I have to go back and look, but I, I, I remember Pelini handing out a decent amount of black shirts. I don't know how many Osborne handed out his, and I don't know how many McBride and Osborne handed out in 95. I just think this is, this is, this is the, I walked uphill both ways, the black shirt thing. Back in my day to get a black shirt, you had to be Jesus. I, I, I don't remember only four players getting black shirts. That, that's not my memory of the black shirt in the 90s. But, you know, look at last year under Diaco and Conley. Wow, two Diaco references in one episode. But how many of those guys deserved black shirts last year? Fair enough. But I, I, I get the last maybe, year is a bad year. But maybe my, my, if my he had just is, come down to the sideline, the black shirts would have been black shirts. Maybe they could have understood what the hell that crazy bastard was talking about. <laughs> Nobody understood what that crazy bastard was talking about. Can you imagine talking to that guy over the – over a, a headset, like coach. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just gonna go run around here, like Ugh. as he's holding the tiny microphone to his mouth. I again, my, my my whole argument is, I just think if you go back and look at the '90s, and I and maybe someone will fact check me, and I'm wrong. I don't remember the Blackshirts being this big exclusive thing. I never remember it being like that. Where only like four or five players got black shirts. What's your Twitter handle, Tyler? Shafe Mania. Shafe Mania. Get him, guys. Get him. Get him. All right. Nail that song, last, call to, last call to me, and my last call is going to go out to Bud Crawford. He had a TKO uh, in the round nine against Jeff Horn Saturday night on ESPN Plus, the new ESPN channel. So uh, if you're like me and you just bought uh, the free trial for ESPN Plus – be sure you cancel it this week so you're not charged $4.99 for their shitty stuff. Uh, you know, he he whooped a Jeff Horn up that got his notoriety against beating an, you know, an, a really old, uh, my God. Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao. And Bud, Bud Crawford moves up to welterweight, and he gets it done. God, he, he looked amazing. Uh, so... Good job, Bud Crawford. I can't wait to see how many more belts that you steal out of the welterweight class. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, this guy is a, he's a stud in boxing. He is becoming one of the top pound-for-pound fighters. Go Big Red. Derek? I was impressed. I uh, really thought Jeff Horn would give a decent fight, and he really didn't. Like, Bud Crawford just whooped his ass. And there, this really was not a good fight at all. It was fun. It was entertaining to watch, but at the end of the day, it really wasn't a good fight. Bud Crawford just owned him, and I thought, as they're calling him the true Rocky story, I thought he would put up a little bit better of a fight. So I, it was a little disappointing to me, but at the end of the day, Bud Crawford won. It was a good fight to watch. Just didn't turn out quite. It didn't turn out to be as quite as good of a fight as I'd hoped. I guess. Well, guys, it's time to get out of here. It's been really good getting with you guys and doing another episode of the Husker Cuzcast. Uh, I enjoyed it. I know you guys did too. Uh, but for our listeners, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for all the latest in Husker news. 
On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red. Mm-hmm.